Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. I'm Nisreen. And I'm Manali. Hey, Nisreen. Happy 2023. Thanks, Manali. Did you get any fun presents at the end of last year? Actually, yeah. My parents got us these solar-powered lights to line our driveway. They're super useful at night and completely self-sustaining. That's awesome. Using solar energy is a great way to reduce your carbon footprint and increase your sustainability factor. Yeah, and the lights look great, too. That's a great thing to advocate for in this new year. In fact, now's a great time to think of some other sustainable practices we can highlight and try to attempt to use in this new year. Well, we always blab on about sustainability, but it would be great to get some insights from our listeners. You're right. So this is our season three bonus. One small step for you, one giant step for sustainability. This year, we asked people about sustainable practices they do that they want to highlight or see other people also partake in. So Manali, what's one sustainable practice that you do that you want to see more people do it? We've actually been doing almost all of our clothes shopping at thrift stores this year. New clothes are so last year. That's awesome. The Environmental Protection Agency approximates that over 16 million tons of textiles end up in landfills every year. Exactly. And by buying used clothes from thrift stores, we're trying to reuse and recycle more of the clothing so less ends up in landfills. We spoke more about textiles and textile recycling in episode four. And thrift shopping is a great way for people to reduce their waste pollution. There are many great ways to reduce landfill waste, and our guests will tell us all the different ways they do it. It ranges from making good recycling sorting habits to composting to growing their own loofahs to making new materials, and to not using single-use plastics. In addition to not making landfill waste, sustainability practices our listeners do include reducing fossil fuel usage. They have so many great ideas of easy things we can try to do to improve our sustainability. Since we started talking about clothes, let's check in with our guest, Virginia. My name is Virginia Howell, and I'm the director at the Robert C. Williams Museum of Papermaking at Georgia Tech in Atlanta, Georgia. And one uh, sustainable thing that I try to practice in my life is that I like to line dry my laundry rather than using the dryer because number one, I like how my clothes smell after they're line dried. And two, it's a lot gentler on the clothing, makes it them last longer. And it's just a lot easier uh, in many, many ways to have that line dried experience. Virginia knows that a more sustainable option can also provide a better experience. Line drying is a simple and sustainable way to dry your clothes that humans have been doing for thousands of years. Just like how I learned from Virginia at the paper making museum that paper made by hand was air dried for thousands of years. And now dryers in industrial papermaking use the most energy in the entire process. We should have just stuck to the old ways. <laughs> it seems to work similarly with clothing. Fun fact, handmade paper in the West was historically made from old linen rags. Another great way to keep clothes and textiles out of landfills. Make paper. 
Anyway, we talked more about the sustainability of industrial paper making and paper recycling in episode two. So check that out. Nasreen, do you want to know another way that you can reduce your greenhouse gas emissions and reduce your landfill waste and your water usage all at the same time? Ooh, water usage too? Tell me more. You can compost. This past year, we made our own three-bin compost pile in our backyard. We put our food scraps and yard waste into the bin, and through the magical process of composting, we get back soil. Ah, yes. Typically, soil from compost contains nutritious organic matter that increases the moisture retention capacity of the soil, so it needs to be watered less. Exactly. And it's also something that one of our guests is doing. Ratnika Prasad joined to tell us about composting. Hi, I'm Ratnika. And the one thing that I do in my daily life that helps the environment is that I compost. Composting means that you're diverting food waste from the landfills. It means that you're preventing the contamination of recyclables. And most importantly, you can directly quantify the impact that you're having on the environment. If you live in a place that doesn't have curbside composting, fortunately, there are many private services available like Compost Now in Atlanta or Waste Not in Illinois. It'll cost you 30 bucks a month, but it is 30 bucks well spent because they'll also give you back fertilizer amendments that you can add to your plants if you're a plant mom like I am. <laughs> Composting helps stop food waste from ending up in the landfills and can be turned into new nutritious soil to grow wonderful new plants. The Environmental Protection Agency approximates that over 200 pounds of food waste per person per year gets landfilled, and by composting, you can eliminate that waste. Yeah, and anyone with a yard can start their own compost pile. You can add yard waste like leaves and grass along with your food waste. That's right, and it's important to create a good ratio that will help break down the waste properly and get the right amount of nutrients to create healthy soil. But also, if you don't have a yard, you can always use vermicomposting. That is a closed bin system that uses worms to produce healthy soil and can be done in a small space like an apartment. And there are also compost collection services like Compost Now in Atlanta, Crown Town Compost in Charlotte. Ratnika also mentioned Waste Not in Chicago. Most larger cities have compost collection services. Just look it up to find one near you. These services not only collect your food waste, but they will also deliver soil to you for your balcony gardens and indoor plants using the compost they create. To learn more about composting and how it works, listen to our previous episodes 12A and 12B. Our next guest is also trying to reduce waste from landfills. Liz wants companies to stop giving out disposable cutlery. disposable cutlery and chopsticks and things like that in our household we like wash everything and reuse it i also hate disposable cutlery and wash them to reuse them yeah it should definitely be something that you ask for and not the norm we have so many at home at this point and we also always reuse ours we should treat disposable utensils like we do straws not recyclable and that's for many reasons first of all they're typically made of a blended plastic so they don't recycle easily and the utensils are typically so small that they would fall through any of the recycling sorting center processes. Exactly. And they can't all be separated out and collected to be recycled together. Some companies have started making compostable utensils, which is great. But even then, are they necessary? 
I feel like most of the time when I order takeout, I'm just going to eat it at home. So I really don't need plastic utensils to be given out. But no one even asks. Sometimes the restaurants give you the three-pack of fork, spoon, and knife, and we all know the knife is completely useless and won't cut anything. That's so true. Also, usually whatever I'm eating just needs one utensil. Why give me all three? I don't know, but it's very wasteful. I need more people to just ask if I need it or be like Chipotle, where you can grab utensils if you want. No free ads, Nisreen, but go Chipotle. I mean, but they don't do a great job of actually implementing it when you order things online and you say, I don't want utensils. But at least someone in corporate made a decision to ask. There are also a lot of these companies and people putting in effort to make plastics more recyclable. So maybe one day we'll get around to where plastic utensils can be recycled. But not yet. Yupo is one such company trying to make plastics more recyclable. We have Mike with us, and even though this is about Yupo as a company, Mike is very passionate about sustainability, and it shows in how excited he is about his work. Hi, my name is Mike Licata, and I work for Yupo Corporation America as the Technical and Business Development Director. Yupo manufactures in-mold labeling substrates, which are an alternative to pressure-sensitive labeling substrates. In-mold labeling is a manufacturing label method for different plastic containers in which a pre-printed plastic film or plastic paper already has a label on it, and that is put into a mold and then your plastic container is melted and formed in that mold. This is different than conventional labeling methods for plastics where your label is printed on a liner with silicone or other pressure sensitive adhesives and then that liner has to be removed and then sent to landfill or recycled. The biggest benefit is that they don't use an adhesive or a silicone coated liner. And just for reference, Yupo in Chesapeake, Virginia last year made enough in-mold label substrates to go to the moon five times round trip on a 12-inch wide web. So just imagine how much silicone-coated release paper we diverted from going into a landfill. We've been doing it in Virginia now for 26 years, so I can't do the math too quick, but that's a lot of diverted paper uh, that that never got um, made into a pressure-sensitive construction, therefore never went to a landfill and it increases recyclability of the materials because you don't have to remove the labels. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, The polyolefin material, the in-mold material, doesn't negatively impact high-density polyethylene recycling. The recyclate, which is not only the bottle but the label material, that recyclate can be remanufactured into a new bottle without causing any adverse effects to either the blow molding process and or to the actual bottle. We're very proud of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Mike shows us that sustainability can be a part of your personal and your professional life, but it's always worth the effort. Speaking of effort and hard work, our next guest goes above and beyond. Michaela is a farmer in Austria and produces her own vegetables and sells them at local farmer's markets. That's incredible, and it's not even her day job. It's just her passion and her hobby. Michaela Schreibmeier. I am from Austria. I'm working for Dell Food Paper Group. And I was asked uh, at the moment about sustainability and what uh, my actions are. Well, to be honest, in my private life, I'm a farmer. I'm running a farm. And farmers are always sustainable by nature. 
Um, and as a hint, I would really kindly like to ask urban people to support all the regional farmers out there. Um, if they have a farmer's store or if you can go even on their farm, please go there, please support that. Buy the products there, buy the eggs, buy the potatoes or the honey. That's really sustainable because it's regional and regionality, uh, from my point of view, is really an asset for sustainability. Definitely. And do, is there you. a um, local farmer's market that you provide your products at? Yes, I do so. Yes, okay. for some grocery stores, yeah. we bring the eggs and everything, okay. definitely. And it's very close by, it's only a few kilometers. So very, very small logistics. Yeah, good um, for carbon emissions with transportation voila. and everything. Voila. So. Awesome, well, thank you so much. You're welcome, thank you. Growing your own food is dope. So many carbon emissions are reduced from not transporting food. That's right. It has been estimated that transporting food is responsible for around 6% of the world's total greenhouse gas emissions. And most of this actually comes from fruits and vegetables. That's weird. Why is that? Refrigeration, mostly, and the demand for out-of-season produce. Everybody wants to eat summer squash all the time. It's not summer all the time. Growing your own food typically also reduces pesticides and fertilizer use since people tend to use less of those than the large commercial farms. There's also less wasted food when you grow your own. That's usually true. I will say we grew tomatoes this year in our garden and ended up with just way too many and some did spoil from being in the fridge too long. Manali, why didn't you share? Okay, we made a mistake. I totally thought we could eat them all, but my body was over full of tomato goodness. I think I was turning red. Were you perhaps turning into a red panda, like in that Pixar movie? Well, considering I'm not covered in fur and have not yet grown a tail, I think it was just the tomatoes tinting my skin. Disappointing. Red pandas are so cute and fuzzy. I'm not sure what to do with this, so I'll just go back to discussing vegetables. Fair enough. So typically, commercially grown food has to look a certain way for it to get stocked in stores. This means that all that misshapen foods or stuff that's too small or too big gets thrown away. Well, not always thrown away. Sometimes they get donated to food banks or sold to farms for feeding animals. There are also companies like Misfits Market that will sell the misshapen produce to consumers at lower prices. I've used them before. It's like the weird lumpy carrots and stuff. Yeah, they're always really fun-shaped, and I like that we're using stuff that would otherwise get thrown away or landfilled. I think this year we'll try to grow some other stuff, like zucchini. I'll send you pictures of the weirdest-looking ones. Sounds good. And our next guest also grows some pretty weird things that reduce single-use plastic waste at the same time. I'm Megan Robinson. I'm from uh, Georgia, near Atlanta, and I work for Green Blue for Hot Sickle. And one of the sustainable things I do is I grow loofah sponges, and I use them instead of my kitchen sponges, and they last a really long time. So my last one lasted nine months without breaking down. It's way less gross. And then they have a lot of seeds when you grow them, and so I send all the seeds to my friends and family, and I share my loofah sponges, so I'm trying to replace everyone in my life sponges with loofah sponges. That's awesome. That's Thank you. Wait, what exactly is a loofah? I thought it was like a sea cucumber. No, loofahs are a plant. A tropical gourd. Weird. I think I've only ever seen a dry loofah. Yeah, most people only know them as the dry sponge bath product used to clean and exfoliate skin. Most people actually use synthetic loofahs nowadays anyway, which are made of nylon or other plastics. 
As we talked about with our guest Hannah in our first ever episode, most people throw these out every few weeks. So just imagine how many nylon loofahs are ending up in the landfill. Megan's alternative of the natural loofah is great because it's completely biodegradable. Yes, and she shares them with people, spreading more natural loofahs all around. She also shares the seeds with people, which means more people can plant their own loofah trees, which is always dope. Everyone gets loofahs. You get a loofah. You get a loofah. (laughs) We all get loofahs. Yay. And we love anything that reduces landfill waste. Another way to reduce your landfill waste is to make sure your recycling is sorted correctly. That's right. If you recycle or put in non-recyclable materials into the recycling bin, they will end up in the landfill too. It often costs too much to sort and separate the recycling if trash is added into the mix, and then everything will get landfilled instead of actually taken to a recycling facility. Our next guest, Bill Barlow from Print Pack, is trying to make sure that his waste gets recycled correctly, and he creates good habits of sorting waste into multiple streams with his family to reduce their overall household impact. Hi, uh, my name is Bill Barlow. I'm a Sustainable Innovations Manager for Print Pack, based here in Atlanta. I've been with the company now 14 years. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, sustainability practices, uh, for me personally, um, at home, we've set up individual bins for um, your store drop-off materials and then your uh, curbside recyclable materials. And we've even got, in some cases, uh, the hefty energy bag where any of those flexible materials that are not acceptable through the uh, store drop-off stream, we can separate those uh, as well uh, to make sure that they, they get to the right place. So it's something that I put in the house uh, probably going on almost three years ago. Um, it's something that I had to you know, train the family to do. So you kinda kinda have to walk them through and show them the different types of materials. Um, if it's not marked properly, can you make an educated guess based on the way the material performs? Can you stretch it a little bit? Okay, that, that probably could go into the curbside or the, the recyclable bin for the, for the store drop-off. But it's really just uh, taking the time to make sure you're doing the right thing, making sure our waste goes to the, the proper place and trying to minimize as much as we can to, to landfill. So it's a practice we've been doing at home and uh, you know I've got the whole family into it now. So we're just trying to spread the word. and uh, and get it done. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Bill. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. you. Sorting and recycling is a great habit to get into. Bill also takes sorting further by participating with the new Hefty Energy Bag program. The Hefty program is a way to collect hard-to-recycle flexible plastics at your curbside. This program is currently in place in Atlanta, Georgia, Omaha, and Lincoln, Nebraska, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Boise, Idaho. What a weird smattering of cities. With this program, you fill an orange hefty bag with hard-to-recycle plastics such as bubble wrap, plastic foam, candy wrappers, bottle caps, and you leave them on your curbside or take them to a designated facility. The orange bags are separated at the MRF or Material Resource Facility. Hopefully, this program extends to more cities and states in this coming year as well. In Atlanta, when we lived in the when we lived in an apartment complex, we always sorted our recycling and took it to recycling facilities. It was a really fun process. You get lots of little boxes with like the different, you know, the different types of recycling and it can be a fun game sometimes. 
Now that I live in a house in Charlotte, my recycling gets collected curbside by the municipality, but I make sure to check what they collect. What types of stuff does your county take? Cardboard, aluminum cans, paper, junk mail, those kinds of stuff. More and more commonly curbside collected is cartons, which is awesome. We talked about carton recycling in our episodes 14A and 14B. One thing to be careful of is that Charlotte only wants PET and HDPE bottles in recycling. They don't take all the number one through six plastics. A lot of people assume that the one through six numbers mean recyclable, but those are actually just identification codes for the plastic. A lot of counties won't take all the different plastics. People just need to make sure and check before throwing stuff into the bin. I know it's more difficult than just throwing everything in the bin, but I think it's worth putting in the effort. Definitely. And speaking of creating sustainable practices and family traditions, let's check back in with Virginia about a practice her family has been doing since the 1970s. A second thing that I do for sustainability is every once in a while, I will try to have a what I call a Jimmy Carter day. And this is something that my family has done since the 1970s. And that's a day where you don't drive your car. And so you um, are either staying home or staying in one place for the whole day. And it started off as a um, way of making sure you're conserving gasoline usage um, started during the, the 1970s gas crisis. But now I like to think about it as doing my part to help out Um, reducing how many fossil fuels are being used by me on a regular basis and thinking about how I'm running errands. And then I'd like to eventually build on my Jimmy Carter days by adding another component that's going to be um, beneficial to the community. So doing something like participating in a a community organization on this day where I'm not driving my car or um, doing something along those lines where I'm thinking about housing and shelter and ways that we can make sure that our planet continues to be here for generations to come. I also like Virginia's family tradition of taking a day to reduce your fossil fuel usage and reduce carbon emissions. Jimmy Carter Day sounds like it should become an official holiday. Especially taking it one step further to address sustainability in terms of goals other than just waste or energy reductions. Like the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, such as more sustainable communities and infrastructure, responsible consumption, and increasing access to clean water and sanitation. And so this new year, we hope you can take some of these ideas from our guests and incorporate them into your own new personal or family sustainability traditions and goals. We truly have had some great ideas from others for sustainable practices to follow and try out some new ones. Trying out a new sustainable practice is an excellent way to start out a new year. So, Nasreen, what's one new thing you'll try out this year? I'll probably try to air dry more things because it also saves me money on my electric bill. Win-win. Yeah, and I'll do the farming, like I said, in addition to keeping up with our compost pile and sorting our recycling as best as we can. Please, grow loofahs and give me some. And hopefully 2023 will be a more sustainable year than last year, and we hope our listeners will join us in adopting some of these practices. And if anyone has any questions about any of these practices or about sustainability as a whole, don't hesitate to reach out. Also, feel free to share your sustainable ideas with us on our website or on our Twitter and Instagram. 
And we'll be back soon with our regular content discussing more materials and more sustainability. This episode was edited and produced by Manali Banerjee and Nasreen Khan. Music is by Shang Young. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGTM Podcast, or you can email us at talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com.